Welcome to the BJU Press Teacher Edition Podcast, where Christian educators are encouraged and inspired as we bring you interviews, practical ideas, strategies, and answer your questions about teaching in today's culture. And here's your host, Jenny Copeland. Thank you for joining us. The heart of the Teacher Edition Podcast is to be practical, uplifting, and God-honoring. So whether you join us each week or this is your first visit, we are so glad you're joining us. And we really trust that you'll walk away with something that's a help and a blessing to you. If you haven't already, please do take a minute to subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to follow us on social media. We are Teacher Edition Podcast on Facebook, and you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Teacher Edition Pod. Once again, that's Teacher Edition Pod. Just before we unpack today's topic, I want to invite you to go to our website, teachereditionpodcast.com. There you can subscribe to our emails. And you can also submit your questions and your stories. These are the highlight of the show. It only takes a minute to record your question or email in your story. So please do that. We look forward to receiving those and to sharing them on the show. As we have questions and stories, we'll be sure to share those at the end of the episodes. So be sure to listen all the way to the end of the interviews each time. For today's show, we are honored to have Paul Brenner joining us. Paul is the head of school at Wayne Christian School in Goldsboro, North Carolina. He and his wife have two children. Interestingly, his wife and his daughter also work at the school there. So Paul has degrees in math and computer science, software engineering, and education. And he loves and he has a long history of coaching. So I've had the opportunity to interact with Paul at a number of different conferences and actually just again here recently. And it's a privilege to have him on the show with us today. So Paul, welcome to the show. Hey, Jenny. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. All right. So let's start with a question maybe some of our listeners had as I was telling a little bit about you. Your bio includes a variety of degrees and fields and also education. So why don't we start out with your story, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, My uh, path into education uh, is not necessarily a common one, although I think it's probably becoming more common uh, today. Uh, But my mom and dad sent me off to college to be a math teacher. And so I was a double major math and education. uh, But then I was introduced to computer science and uh, I quickly dropped my education degree because I figured I would never use it. Uh, So I got my undergrad in math and computer science, became a software engineer, and got my master's degree in software engineering and, and worked uh, in the defense and communications industries in the 90s. Well, uh, my mom loves to tell me, I told you you never should have dropped that education major because shortly after uh, becoming an engineer, I started to work with kids, both at her church and then uh, volunteering at local high schools. And uh, that led, uh, that just sparked a love for coaching in me. And uh, so I was volunteering at a, at a public school in in our town. And uh, a couple years after that, I was offered a head coaching position at a Christian school. And that was actually my introduction to Christian education. That was in the early to mid 90s. And um, I just fell in love with coaching. Uh, but I really fell in love with what it meant to be coaching at a Christian school. And so that kind of became uh, the start of, of our love affair with Christian education. Uh, and so three short years of being a head coach in high school, um, I packed up my family of three. Uh, we moved across the country, took a pay cut, 
uh, for my engineering job and uh, helped coach basketball down at Palm Beach Atlantic University uh, down in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I loved doing that, worked with a great friend and mentor of mine for three years, and but realized that God was calling us back to high school coaching and teaching. And I just had the fortunate opportunity to reunite with my boss from the previous Christian school I was at uh, in Middle Tennessee and spent 17 years in Middle Tennessee as an athletic director, uh, basketball coach. We started a football program, so I became a football coach again. Uh, but also with my degree, I taught math. And of course, it's a Christian school, so there's other things we needed to do as well. Uh, I also had some experience in, in theater, so our, our school asked me to, to head that program up as well. So I did that for 16 or 17 years, and I was loving life. I was coaching. I was teaching. I was with kids all day, every day. And uh, then the Lord called me into uh, being a head of school. And that calling brought us to North Carolina five years ago here in Eastern North Carolina in Goldsboro. And we love it here. Just the opportunity, um, just it was new challenges for me. I, I got, I'm, I'm learning every day, but it's, it was an opportunity for us to just be a part of a family here that loves kids, that loves Christ, and they're committed to shaping the worldview of the kids in our community. I love hearing your story. And I love hearing how God directed each each part of your path there and prepared you for what was next. And I, like you said, I think your story is becoming more and more common. People are coming from different, you know, different areas, different careers and coming into education and how exciting that is and how the Lord is using their talents as we shape the next generation for Christ. So you have a unique story. So now I guess my next question for you is how has your story impacted your ministry and really I'm sure your story also impacts the focus you have at your school. So how would you say that ties together? For years, I've been saying I came into education through the side window rather than through the front door, and I've never really looked at myself as an educator. But it's dawned on me. I've been doing it for 30 years. I probably better own up to yeah, it Yeah, you are. You are. <laughs> and so um, I've not necessarily approached things probably in the traditional way. Uh, as a computer scientist, you know, I was a problem solver, um, whether it was with people or with programs or, or with systems. And so I've just kind of brought that uh, background into um, any, any challenges or opportunities that we have. Um, and I did that through coaching as well. But uh, having gone through, you, you know, doing a lot of things after school, but also being busy during school all day, yeah, I, I realized the strain, and this is not, I know that this is not a revelation. I mean, everybody who's been in a Christian school knows this, but Christian school teachers and educators and staff members, they have a lot of jobs, and and we're busy, and sometimes we're stretched way too thin. So, we, so, so that, as I look at different challenges that come our way, it's one of the first things I look at. Uh, so what what can we help our faculty and staff with as far as what's on their plate to do? And so um, that's all that's on the forefront of my mind in, in every situation. It may not be possible to help fix those types of things, but but we're we try to be intentional with with how we uh, shape the day for our teachers in particular. Uh, and then uh, now I'm learning that we have to do that more for our 
for our administrators as well. But um, from our schedule to the number of preps that we have, we just try to look at those types of things. So that's so that's one of the things. Um, but also just trying to be creative in our approach. Um, my staff knows that they <laughs> the worst thing they could say to me is, well, we do it because we've always done it that way. <laughs> and so I challenge them to look at fresh ways to do things and to get out of their comfort zone and um, to think in different ways that maybe schools haven't thought in, in the past to, you know, our world is changing. I think education needs to change. Um, so, so those are just some of the things. Another aspect of me kind of coming in through the side window is that I wasn't w very well equipped to be in the classroom. I think God gifted me, uh, to be a teacher, but I didn't go through the, uh, teaching pedagogy. So I wasn't taught how to teach. And so I went back to get my master's in education to learn that. Um, but as I, as I gained more years and more experience in Christian education, I realized I wasn't the only person like that. Uh, we have, you know, all of the schools I've been in, the teachers that I've worked with love Jesus immensely. And but some of them were, were like me. Some of them came in as a lateral entry and were trained as teachers. Um, but even those who were trained as teachers, a large percentage of them were not taught how to teach from a biblical worldview, uh, let alone shape a worldview. So it's hard to shape a, a biblical worldview if you, if you don't know how to teach from or if you don't have one. And so when we came to Wayne Christian, uh, one of the main focuses we had was just that. We get a lot of great teachers from our public school system here. They're great teachers, have the skills of teaching, and they have a biblical worldview, but they've not made the connection on how to teach from that biblical worldview. Or if they have, they're struggling with it. So one of the things we did a couple years ago was we made a decision to align our curriculum from our preschool, from our three-year-olds, all the way through 12th grade in every subject. We were worried a little bit about our scope and sequence. We wanted to make sure that we didn't have any holes. but And so we went with BJU Press textbooks. Uh, after reviewing them and talking to a lot of people, we thought that that was the best thing for us. We were we are confident that they're written to standards. Uh, but one of the big things was, is their teacher tools online created one place for our teachers to go for resources. Not saying that they don't go out to other places, but when we were using five or six different publishers, especially our elementary teachers, they were having to go all sorts of places to find the materials to, to supplement what they were doing in the classroom. I mean, one thing that I love about BJU Press is they say the teacher is the key, which I totally agree with. So we look at the textbooks as a tool for us. It helps us. Now, it's a major tool because we're opening it up every single day and it's helping guide our teachers and our students. But for me, as, as that problem solver, that, that guy who didn't know where to look to find things when he was a new teacher, here's a place that provides something across the spectrum of disciplines for our teachers to go. In addition to that, as I talked with folks at the press, um, they provided training. 
you know, every year in the summer, uh, the exchange uh, teachers from all over the well, all over the world go to the exchange for for, for training. We're only five hours away, so, so we tell our teachers, if you want to go, we'll send you. We'll pay for it. I don't care if you went last year. <laughs> and now, I mean, you're doing because of COVID, you all learned how to do it online. And so we have, we may send a dozen or two dozen people to the exchange, but we'll have probably just as many online doing it. So so just providing that professional development, those resources that the, that the press has at, at their fingertips uh, for us, we use that. But we also bring... Um, staff to our campus. So we've had a number of the national speakers on campus to to be there. So it, when we look at professional development, when it comes to teaching, that's the only thing we've done. <laughs> biblical worldview, biblical worldview shaping, how to use the tools. Here are the tools that are available with the textbooks that, that we've adopted so that our teachers have the, the resources that they need. The other thing that we've done, uh, I'm a firm believer that the relationship between the teacher and the student is, is one of the major components to success in the classroom for the students. So we've adopted a process called capturing kids' hearts. So we do two things in professional development for the last five years, biblical worldview and capturing kids' hearts. Some people may start to get tired of it, but at least they know what's important and uh, that's what we work on every single day, every single year. That's great. I love how you very you are very intentional in your focus. You can definitely tell you're a problem solver, and you're getting in there and seeing where those those trends are, those things that need to be fixed, and really helping out. And you mentioned equipping teachers, and I think you're right on. I'm sure a number of our listeners are coming in as maybe previous public school teachers coming into Christian schools. They have a biblical worldview, but transferring that to the students, guiding the students, and that, that takes time and effort and intentionality and helping get your teachers equipped to do that. That is fantastic. So I love what you mentioned there. Let me, let me just add one thing to that. Even what I've, what I've noticed, because even in my life, even if our teachers do have a good, strong biblical worldview and, and even have been learning how to, to use that to teach from, there's a confidence level that needs to grow. And you only build confidence through the development of skills. And so that's why we've just focused on those two areas to really encourage them, give them tools. You, you used the word empower. I love that. Here are the tools. Get good at using these tools because that's what's going to gain the confidence. And that confidence spills over. They're confident in their in their subject matter. And and they're confident. They know that this is God's creation. He is Lord over every square inch. But because they haven't been doing it for years, the confidence factor is not there in everybody. And so focusing on these two areas really helps develop that confidence. That's excellent. Now, let's make this really practical for our listeners, because obviously the heart of this podcast is giving people great ideas, how they can lead their classroom, how they can help their students, support parents, all from a biblical worldview. So let's make this really practical again today. Talk with us about some ways you accomplish these items in your school. Maybe you can share ways that listeners can do the same things you're doing. So you talked a little bit about finding textbooks that align with what you're doing. You talk a little bit about training. Can you unpack that just a little bit more for us? Yeah. Um, so I, the Adopting the textbooks was huge for us. Um, 
because it, I think it, it was, it was difficult at first. Um, but once our teachers got into it, they realized that there, there were a lot of resources available with that. But we coupled that with also how we do school. <laughs> My people hear me say that all the time. How we do things is important. And so we were the typical Christian school. We in in the upper school, we were seven, eight periods a day, 45 or 50 minutes. I mean, it was even shorter than that on chapel days. And in in what I noticed, and, and I, a lot of people notice this, right? Our our families are so busy. Our kids are so busy. And so they'll go from first period to homeroom to second to third to fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Then they have homework in all seven of those classes, do their homework, and go to bed, and then let's do it again. And that's not even taken into account if they have if they have a practice or if they have church activities. So we were looking for ways to how do we slow things down, not just for our students, but also for our teachers. Um, I heard an interesting thing, and it may have been Dr. Smith who said it at the conference we were just at. If you don't take time to stop and think about something and unpack it, are you really going to learn? Are you really going to go deep into a subject or a question? And so that that was really the impetus for me over the last couple of years on how we looked at our schedule. And so we we've moved to a modified block system. So we have A and B days. So our upper school, fifth through 12th grade, they'll have four classes on Monday and Wednesday. Those are our A days. And they'll have four different classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then Fridays will alternate and have chapel on Fridays. And so each class or each block is 90 minutes so that there is time to get to know our students for one thing. Uh, but then when we get into the material, there's time for us to unpack. Now, we haven't figured it all out. We have a lot of room to improve, but instead of having to get everything done in 45 minutes or 50 minutes, uh, we have time now. And so even if we want to, in the, in, if we're responding to literature, um, there's some time to spend to sit and write or to work in groups to discuss things where in a 45 or 50 minute class, if we're not moving, we're not going to, we're not going to get what we need to get covered. And, and there's, you know, there's some, you know, there's, we're not in the class as many minutes if you add them all up by the end of the school year. So that's one of the things we had to wrestle through. But I don't think that minutes equates to learning. I think it's what you talk about, what you discuss, what you're processing is what learning is about. And so our teachers have been, uh, they've been very creative. One of our math teachers, uh, they were going through uh, I forget which class it was. It was may have been geometry or algebra, but they were talking. All right, so we have to. We're learning how to do the area of a triangle, area of a trapezoid, and area of a circle. And normally that would be three days of lessons. But what the teacher did divided them up into three groups. They they developed a lesson plan for each one of the things, and so they spent twenty thirty minutes doing that, and then they each spent fifteen or twenty minutes giving the lesson to the other students in the class. So they did three lessons in one day and it was much deeper learning because as we all know as teachers, you learn a lot more when you have to teach it. And so, so those types of things are beginning to happen. And, and as we continue to grow in this, 
I would love for that to turn into, all right, so the second greatest commandment, how do we take what we're learning now and how do we love our neighbor as ourselves? How do we take what we're learning in math class and history and language in all of, in all of the different subjects? How are we moving out? If we're in a 45 minute period, we don't have time to think about those things. So as we continue to grow, that's what we'd, we'd like to do. So, so that's one of the things with our schedule and it's actually starting to filter down into our elementary. So instead of saying, Hey, we've got to do this, 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 and this, and this order, we say, all right, so here's a block of time. Then you have your pull out or recess or lunch. Here's another block of time. Here's another block of time. So, so our teachers can begin to, as they learn their, how their students, uh, what their students, how their students need to learn, uh, they can utilize that time most effectively instead of having to say, all right, you're in language arts now, and then you're going to go to recess. And now it's, we still have some hard starts and stops, but they, they can begin to use blocks of time to study God's creation in his word. So, 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 so that's the scheduling aspect, but even another aspect of the scheduling is that for our upper school in particular, our ideal situation would be that, you know, we have eight blocks. So we want a teacher to have a prep block every day. And then, so they would teach three blocks and have a prep block each day. But even throughout those, those AB days, we really would prefer to have only two preps. So you're not teaching algebra, geometry, uh, pre-algebra, and sixth grade math. You're teaching algebra and geometry. Those are the two classes you're teaching, those two preps. But out of an eight-period or eight-block cycle every two days, a fourth of your schedule is to prepare for those classes. So, so that's one aspect. And then also we try to limit our teachers having to cover for other teachers if there's an absence. Now... There are days that there's just no subs available and we try to make the best of it. But we really, as a rule, we try to say, we're going to get a substitute in here so that we're not pulling you from your prep period. We want to keep that prep period for you to prepare for class. Yeah, super practical. So I'm hearing themes of equipping our teachers and that's giving them the materials they need, the training they need, and the time they need. And I really, the materials and training, I love how you focused on figure out who you are as a school and then hone in on that. Make sure your materials align with who you are. Make sure your training is aligning and giving teachers that training. I, I love how you also focused on that you're committed to that training and you provide for them. You send them instead of saying, well, keep growing and then not doing anything to support them. You actually make a way for them to go. And I think that's so important. And then you just focused on giving them the time they need. And I, I love that block idea where there's not the pressure of the bell's going to ring and we all have to jump up and run off. But we have that, that opportunity to sit and talk and grow and focus. And that's where those deeper conversations come, that, that biblical worldview, that opportunity to really grow them in that area. So I love that. I don't know if you have any other wrap up thoughts about those things before we jump into one more question for you. The other thing we did with our schedule, our yearly calendar. So we've added a full week to our in-service at the beginning of school just so that we could kind of roll into it slowly, but also give our staff an opportunity to coalesce and come together. As we're growing, we're, we're adding new staff. So that's one aspect of it. But we've also incorporated 
every month we take a half a day of school and we release early. And so we spend three hours as a faculty on professional development. And so as our administrative team develops that for the year, we look at what are the things we want to accomplish, but then we also save some time in there. Like, all right, so what's happening in the classroom? So if our overarching goal is to improve on some of our processes with capturing kids' hearts, for instance, we'll, as during our observations, we'll be looking and getting feedback from our teachers. Where are they struggling? Let's spend some time now, the second week of September, we've only been in school for three weeks, but what do we need to focus on? And just everything else is, nothing else is happening. The kids are gone. We've got three hours. It's in the middle of the week, so we're not dead tired yet that we can spend. And so we do that throughout the year as well. So we take time, not just in the summer and those types of things, but we have dedicated time throughout the school year to spend with each other, learning from each other, uh, and, and just trying to get better at worldview and capturing kids' hearts. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love that you're putting legs to your focus. Not just going to talk about it, but you actually make it happen. So we encourage listeners to share stories and also share their questions. And often we have a question we share at the end of an episode. But you've shared a lot of practical insight with us today. And I wondered if maybe we could shift gears just a little bit for this episode. Instead of doing a question, I wondered if you have any stories along the themes that we talked about today or the focus that we talked about about that might be an encouragement to our listeners. Oh, stories. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this happened uh, last school year or I guess two school years ago. Uh, one of our Bible teachers was at home. He's teaching biblical worldview to 11th graders. And he was at his kitchen table just working on his lesson plans one night. And his daughter, who was in first grade at the time, came and just sat down next to him. And first of all, I love that picture, having a daughter now who's grown. I love just the picture of you know first my first grader coming sitting next to me. Uh, and she said, Daddy, what are you doing? So said, well, I'm honey, I'm working on my lesson plans for the biblical worldview class. And she just goes, oh, and like, I know that. That's creation, fall, redemption. So she didn't need to stick around anymore. She knew everything he was doing, got up and just went off and started playing with whatever she was doing. So I love that story for several reasons. One, I just shared that, you know, that the daughter would just come to dad and just, hey, what are you doing? But that she's a first grader. It already understands that this is God's world. He created it. We messed it up as sinners, but he is going to redeem us. And as she's growing in the Lord, she's learning how to see God's creation through that lens. So that was just a, a great illustration for me. Here's a dad. He's teaching 11th graders, but his six-year-old already understands the basics of what he's teaching. Yep. Somebody's doing their job. Someone is communicating that biblical worldview, even to those little, little bitty students. And that that's such a blessing. Even at a young age, students can learn. They can practice biblical worldview. And, you know, we have such a privilege as teachers, as educators to be able to guide those students. I love that. I hope that for listeners, I hope that was an encouragement to you. That was definitely an encouragement to me of it's not in vain. We are impacting. You feel like you say a million words, more than a million words a day. But they're listening. They are taking that in. And obviously, even this little one was impacted by that. So 
This has been another very uplifting episode. Paul, thank you for your encouragement and thank you for the challenge that you've given us today. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you were challenged and encouraged as I was. Remember to go to teacheredishonpodcast.com to submit your questions for upcoming episodes. Of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Now, it's time to get back to your day. But it's not just any day. Every day in the classroom is your day to impact and inspire through God's power and His grace working in you. Go do what God has called you to do.